Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you could have been anywhere else in the world tonight, but you're right here. You're with us at the magical TTA Studios as we present DCN This Week, your weekly news and information show provided to you by the Disney Crew for the week of May 14th, 2018. On tonight's show, we've got an in the news segment that provides some details on an old D23 announcement. We learn the backstory of that popular mine train, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. We take a moment for us that, let's face it, we all need right now. And then we're going to dive deep into a cheesy delight at the DCN Snack Corner. So settle in, grab a drink, you just may learn something. All on DCN This Week. joining us for your DCN This Week show. I'm your host, Tommy, and joining me on the TTA Studios desk tonight is Jason. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. We'll also be joined by our correspondent, Michael. Good evening to you, my friend. Let's see what's happening in the news. This week, the Disney Parks blog revealed more details about the new space-themed restaurant for Epcot at Walt Disney World, previously announced at the D23 Expo in 2017. The as-of-yet unnamed restaurant does not have an opening date, but it was announced that it will be operated by the Patina Group, who currently operates restaurants via Napoli and Epcot and Morimoto Asia at Disney Springs, a positive sign that helps us set our expectations high as to what we can predict the quality of food will be like. Rumors have been swirling about the location of this new space-themed restaurant since the original announcement, with two locations appearing to be the frontrunners, the old, rarely-used Wonders of Life Pavilion or the unused land between Mission Space and Test Track. In this week's announcement, it was officially confirmed that the restaurant would, in fact, be built in the unused tract of land between Mission Space and Test Track, thereby putting an end to any speculation that the Wonders of Life Pavilion will ever be used for anything relevant again. Current Vice President of Disney Springs and Walt Disney World, Keith Bradford, is leaving the Disney company and Disney is actively searching for his replacement. Now, historically, these types of positions are filled by a candidate who is promoted internally. In an interesting turn of events, Disney has chosen to post the opening on their Disney career site, opening up the search to external candidates. Now, the ideal candidate, as described by the job posting, would be a seasoned executive with significant retail and dining experience who will define, drive, and deliver the strategy for every aspect of the business and will lead a team of 11,000 cast members. Now, the job posting does not state whether the candidate should have a working knowledge of Disney parks and or a love of the Disney brands. Now, DCN reached out to Disney for clarification on this obvious omission. Disney officials responded by pretending to have bad cell service, faking static noise, and then abruptly hanging up. Super Saturdays for annual pass holders at Walt Disney World returned May 12th. 
Many retailers at Disney Springs participate in this event, where limited edition merchandise deals and special discounts of 10 to 20% are offered all day long to pass holders. Yes, that means that Chapel Hats will have a special 15% off all, all their fedoras on that day. So, fellas, if you've been looking for that special hat that says unemployed DJ, but the price has always held you back, your time has come. In a surprising turn of events, Hyperspace Mountain has returned to Disneyland in California this week. Now, Disney previously removed the overlay to return Space Mountain to its newer original format. However, at a recent Disneyland After Dark special event, Disney unveiled some new Star Wars offerings like specialty food items, meet and greets, photo ops, merchandise, and the return of Hyperspace Mountain. After the reveal at the event, the overlay continued during normal operating park hours, seemingly to remain indefinitely. This is a welcome change as the Hyperspace Mountain overlay is far superior to the newer original format of Space Mountain. Now this is one example where the addition of an IP on a classic attraction improves the attraction. But that's the exception, not the rule. Do you hear me, Mr. Iger? Bob? Bobby? I'm sure he listens. It's the exception. The exception, Bobby. Don't get crazy like re-theming the Tower of... I mean, shoving an unrelated IP in the future. Oh boy. In We Have to Shove This Down Your Throat news, Disneyland has announced its plans to unveil a new walk-around redhead female pirate face character to debut at New Orleans Square, curiously named Red. She's based off the new female pirate character added to the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction after the controversial refurbishment of the famous We Once a Redhead scene removes the aforementioned Redhead and the Bride auction. Guests will be able to interact with Red. They'll be able to take photos and, presumably, ask her her thoughts about how she balances her role in the attraction, being a thief, murderer, kidnapper, torturer, drunkard, and positive role model for all the little girls all over the world. Disney Style opened this week on the west side of Disney Springs and Walt Disney World. It will offer an assortment of fashion items centered on the Disney brand and specific park attractions with a fun millennial twist, of course, such as uh, spirit jerseys themed after Disney princesses, polos with funky attraction themed patterns, t-shirts, magnets, headwear, and toys. The store has a whimsical and bright decor and even boasts a few ride vehicles on display. Now, parents will be happy to know that not only will the garments be cheaply made and overpriced, but they will be immediately out of style the moment the kids walk out of the Disney-style doors. The Walt Disney Company announced their second quarter earnings this week. The report was mostly positive, with earnings and revenues up, due mostly to the extraordinary success of Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War. However, the long-term outlook for Disney is undecided because two major factors have yet to be resolved. The success of the streaming service Disney plans to launch in 2019 and the company's acquisition of Fox. In an unexpected move this week, Comcast has emerged as a surprise bidder for Fox, seemingly halting Disney's plan to buy the media giant and subsequently taking over the world. Bob Iger declined to comment on Comcast's plans, but reportedly did reach out to Comcast CEO Brian Roberts to ask him, Hey, what did I ever do to you? 
In perceived value news, Walt Disney World has added a feature to their one-day park tickets. Now, when guests purchase their tickets, it will come with three pre-selected FastPass experiences, depending on which park the guests select to visit. Now, the newer, more popular e-ticket attractions, such as Avatar, Flight of Passage, and Animal Kingdom, and Frozen Ever After and Epcot, or put another way, the attractions you actually want Fast Passes for, they will not be included. Now, this pre-selected nature of the Fast Passes is a shrewd move by Disney to toy with our infatuation with childhood nostalgia. No doubt it calls to mind all of us, remembering when mom and dad would give us a beautiful, a pre-selected, wrapped present only for us to unwrap it and discover the gift was crappy. And we were left wondering, why did I get this crappy gift? Don't they love me anymore? I'm a, I'm a disappointment. And finally, it's time to say goodbye to Handy Manny at Disney Junior Play and Dine Character Breakfast at the Hollywood and Vine Restaurant in Disney's Hollywood Studios. The overly long titled Character Breakfast will retire the Handy Manny character and replace him with Roadster Goofy from the hit Disney Junior show Mickey and the Roadster Racers. Goofy will be joined at the Character Breakfast by Jake, Sophia, and Doc McStuffins. In a related story, Reports indicate that guests can still meet and greet Handy Manny at his new location in the Home Depot parking lot. There's your news, everybody. We'll be right back. Many people ask us, hey, 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 Disney crew, how do you guys stay so loose, so fun and fancy free? Great question. It all comes down to remembering not to get too far away from, from us. You see, we know we need a moment, <laughs> a moment for us. This right here is for you and us. Here's your moment for us. Howdy folks. Please keep your hands, arms and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness.
Welcome back to your DCN This Week show. And now, our e-ticket attraction. This week, our e-ticket attraction is a segment we like to call Check the Narrative, in which we give you the full canon backstory that the Imagineers have created for your favorite Disney attractions. This week, our subject is Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Let's check in with our DCN correspondent, Michael. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is a steel mine train roller coaster that darts in and around mountain ranges that resemble the rock work found in Monument Valley in Utah and Arizona, designed by the famous Disney Imagineer Tony Baxter. The idea for the attraction came from the infamous abandoned attraction idea for the Western River Expedition that was originally conceived by one of Walt's nine old men, Mark Davis. The first Big Thunder Mountain Railroad opened in Disneyland on September 2nd of 1979, to be followed soon by a similar version in Walt Disney World in 1980, Tokyo Disneyland in 1987, and Disneyland Paris in 1992. Each version has design elements that make it unique, but are all similar in idea, design, and ride system. In short, no matter where you are, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is a rollicking roller coaster ride, good enough for the whole family, that features beautiful rock work, exhilarating adventure, delightful music, and a fully immersive experience. You may have enjoyed a ride or two on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, so you may know all of that already, but do you know the intricate backstory weaved into every detail of the attraction? While some details may change from park to park, the basic story arc of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad remains consistent across all the variations of the attraction. The setting is the late 1800s during the gold rush. Gold seekers and dreamers alike are all flocking to the American Southwest to find a small mining town nestled in around the base of Big Thunder Mountain. This mining town goes by many names. In Disneyland, it's known as Rainbow Ridge. In Florida, it's called Tumbleweed. And in Paris, it goes by the ominous name of Thunder Mesa. Why is everyone flocking to this small mining town? Why, of course, it's because gold has been discovered in Big Thunder Mountain. Nearly overnight, the small mining town grows into a prosperous community as more and more people descend upon the town. The Big Thunder Mining Company is formed by Barnabas T. Bullion. He erects an extensive line of mine trains set up to transport ore around and down the mountain. Their business was gold, and business was gold. I mean good. The people continued to toil away at their gold mining business, and the town continued to grow. 
However, the townspeople were unaware that Big Thunder Mountain was a sacred place to a local tribe of Native Americans. The Native American chiefs, upon learning of the mining of the mountain, issued a stern warning to the townspeople. Leave the mountain or be cursed. The townspeople did not heed the warnings of the Native Americans and continued to mine the mountain. They continued day and night to dig tunnels, carve out large portions, and eventually defile the entire mountain, making the very structure of the area unstable. Unfortunately for the townspeople, the Native Americans were right. The desecration of the mountain had ecological effects that no one could ever have imagined, and a great natural disaster is unleashed upon the small town. In the Disneyland and Paris versions, the mining damages the tectonic plates upon which the mountain sits and causes a massive earthquake. In Florida, a flash flood sweeps through the town, and in Tokyo, a tsunami devastates the entire area. Many people died, and those who didn't remembered the Native Americans' warnings and assuming that the town was cursed, fled for their lives. The town was abandoned in an instant, people leaving behind all their treasures, belongings, and dreams. The shops were left with supplies still on the shelves, horse carriages still in the streets, and the mine trains were left, still running, to endlessly loop around the mountains completely empty. An ostensible ghost train, evidence of the lives that must have inhabited those parts, but are now just a memory. Sometime later, in the early 1900s, a man, who was said to be quite bold, wanders the remaining frontier areas of America, searching for meaning, searching for answers, or perhaps just searching for the truth. He stumbles upon the little mining town, a ghost town for many years now. He marvels at the town and makes his way to Big Thunder Mountain, the rumbling sounds of trains beckoning him. He is entranced by the trains barreling up and down the mountains. He gets closer, close enough to reach out and touch one if he so chose. He was in awe of the beauty around him as nature had rebuilt itself and healed its wounds over the years. He was absorbed by the majesty of the mine trains. He had to ride one. It did not take much for him to muster up the courage to jump on the next train that came flying by and he was off. He held on tight as the train darted in and out of the mountain, flew through canyons and valleys, and gave him the wildest ride in the wilderness. He rode it again and again, and with each ride discovered new things. One especially exciting discovery he made was gold. He was able to collect mounds and mounds of gold on each ride through the mountain. He was rich overnight. What did he do with some of his money? Well, this young man had such a great time riding these mine trains that he founded the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad at the old mining town and set it up as an attraction to allow other people from all over to take the ride on the conductorless trains that he loved so much 
and that rewarded him with his vast fortune. He owed those trains so much, the best way he could give back to them was to share them with all of us. And now you know the backstory behind one of Disney's most popular attractions. The next time you ride Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, take the time to look for details in the queue and the ride itself that connect to this story. You'll find many examples, and when you do, no doubt, it will provide a new perspective and enrich your ride experience like never before. Remember though, to hold on to your hats and glasses because it is the wildest ride in the wilderness. Welcome back. Tommy here. Who's hungry? You don't have to respond. We can't hear you anyway. It's a podcast. However, we'll assume you're hungry just like we are, and we know when we are hungry, there's no better place to be than the DCN Snack Corner. Pull up a stool. Let's dig deep into our featured snack of the week, the cheddar cheese stick. Quietly tucked away in a nook between Goofy Sky School and Seaside Souvenirs at the Paradise Park section of Disney California Adventure, you will find Corndog Castle, a not-so-secret gem of a counter-service restaurant that serves handmade, hand-dipped, made-to-order corn dogs, hot link corn dogs, and the aforementioned cheddar cheese stick. It's a simple menu with a simple conceit. Make three great snack items that truly stand out due to the loving preparation of real ingredients and a dedication to that made-to-order mission. The cheddar cheese stick is aptly named as it is a stick or block, if you will, of cheddar cheese that is hand-dipped in the rich corn dog batter and quickly deep-fried, sealing all of that gorgeous, sharp cheddar cheese inside the savory corn outer shell. The final product is a true delight. The perfectly fried golden outer shell is dense and crunchy and salty with a hint of that sweetness added to the corn batter. The inside is an impeccably orange-colored mass of gooey real cheddar cheese that is tangy and just the right amount of sharp. With each bite, you get the perfect combination of the piquant outer shell and that oozing flavorful cheese, with neither overpowering the other, but both elements in flawless proportion, working together to make snack magic. It's essentially a perfectly balanced grilled cheese on a stick. Here's a bonus snack hack tip for you. If you want to take your cheddar cheese stick to the next level, you know you've got to add sauce. And just a few feet over from Corndog Castle is Boardwalk Pizza and Pasta, where you could get just the right sauce pairing for your cheddar cheese stick. You can order a small side of Pomodoro sauce, pesto, ranch dressing, or tomato sauce. Give it a try. Let us know which sauce pairs best with your cheddar cheese stick. So if you love cheese, which who doesn't, and if you're looking for a great, flavorful, cheesy snack, look no further than Corndog Castle. Grab yourself a cheddar cheese stick, but maybe also grab someone else to share it with you. Might not be the best healthy idea to eat an entire block of deep fried cheese alone. It's also kind of depressing. Happy eating! And now, it's time for another moment for us.
Thank you all for joining us on your DCN This Week show. It was a pleasure to have Michael with us as well. Thank you, Michael. Oh, it's my pleasure. A pleasure to be with you and uh, with all of our listeners tonight. It was a pleasure having you listeners with us, but sadly, it's time to say goodbye to all our company. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. Tune in next week for more news, facts, information, and jokes that are funny, but also have something to say. Proud of you. Good night, everybody. Good night.